On this episode of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast, we break down the Terps' series loss to Michigan over the weekend. Then we are joined by Terps freshman infielder Ben Cowles for a conversation about him stepping up and getting a starting spot in his freshman year. Plus, we are joined by Jack Warwick of the Minnesota Daily to break down the Golden Gophers and the series between Maryland and Minnesota this upcoming weekend. Here we go. This is the Maryland Baseball Network Podcast. Here's your host, Connor Newcomb. Welcome into episode number 68 of the Maryland Baseball Network Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, joined as always by Zach Solon. And we'll start with Maryland's series over the weekend at Bob Turtle Smith Stadium against Michigan. And now, Coming into this series, we knew it was going to be a tough one for the Terps. This Michigan team was coming in red hot in Big Ten play. They had won seven straight conference games and were sitting in first place in the conference. We talked last week. They lead the Big Ten in batting average, and they lead the Big Ten in team ERA. And they showed why this weekend, sweeping the three-game series with Maryland and with the three losses, the Terps fall to 23-25 and 25 overall, and now 8-10 and 10 in the Big Ten Conference. But, as we record this, still sit in eighth place in the Big Ten, which, if the season ended today, would get them to Omaha for the Big Ten Tournament. But, Zach, obviously the weekend was a disappointing one for Maryland. You, know, you look at it a couple ways. You always want to get wins at home, but with what the Terps have done on the road, it's almost like, if you just flipped Maryland's home and road record, right now the Terps at Bob Turtlesmith Stadium are 8-15, and 15, and they're 14-9 and nine on the road. If you flip those, and the Terps are 14-9 and nine at home, 8-15 and 15 on the road, you look at it and you say, oh, this is just a normal kind of 500 team, defends their, their home stadium well, can't get road wins. But when you flip it the other way, what Maryland does, 8-15, and 15, you kind of are startled and saying, you know, what's going on at home. So it's an interesting way to look at it is maybe Maryland's just one of those teams that plays better on the road, but obviously there was something else this weekend with how good Michigan is. Michigan was really good, yes, Connor, but it seems so bizarre to me that Maryland is, is not nearly as good at home as they are on the road. I think in college sports in general, at least here at Maryland, I, I think every team has a better home record than road record. And the fact that, that not only is this team better on the road, but so much better record-wise, it, it kind of speaks to it. I don't know if it's the teams they played on the road because, you know, they've gotten wins against Northwestern, but then you look back to the Illinois series where they did really well, so it seems to be a total toss-up for, for the Terps, but um, they've been doing much better on the road. So we'll get through this series a little quicker with the breakdown. We want to get to some Big Ten tournament standings, some scenarios, what goes on around the Big Ten this weekend. And, of course, we hope you did listen all weekend on the Maryland Baseball Network, but it was a rough weekend for Maryland I would say really the most positive thing was the Friday game. Now, obviously, it did not start out hot for the Terps and Hunter Parsons. Michigan jumped on him early in that game on Friday in game number one of the series. A Jordan Brewer sack fly, a Blake Nelson RBI double in the first inning. Already, it was 2-0 Michigan. Then the Wolverines added three more runs in that second inning. Two of them were earned to Parsons on a two-run homer off the bat of Jordan Wogu. Another run came in to score later in the inning on an error. 
and that made it a 5-0 game, and the Terps were in a deep hole early. Maryland got one back in the sixth after Hunter Parsons settled down for the Terps and ended up putting up you know, what wasn't a great start, but he put up zeros in the third, fourth, and fifth. His pitch count was just so high, he couldn't make it past five. Out of the bullpen came Sean Hine, who got a 1-2-3 inning in the top of the sixth, which was a good sign for him in Maryland. Taylor Wright homers in the bottom of the sixth, gets the Terps on the board. It's 5-1. to one. You feel like, okay, the Terps are still sticking around in this one, and maybe you get some late offensive push, which they did, but what killed Maryland was in the top of the seventh inning, Sean Hine, after a quick 1-2-3 sixth, comes back out in the seventh and just couldn't throw strikes and couldn't get anybody out in that inning. Two walks, then two singles, then a walk and a single. And when Sean Hine left the game in the seventh, he had faced six batters. All six had reached. He hadn't recorded an out yet. And there were already three runs on the board against him in that inning for Michigan. And when you look down the line, Zach, after the Terps made the late rally, that seventh inning really hurt, and it, and it was tough to watch for Hine because he's had a rough year, but he had a very positive one, two, three, sixth against a good offense, and it all unraveled in the seventh. Especially when you look at how Maryland did offensively in the seventh and the eighth innings. We'll get to that later, but for Hine to come out in the fifth, he, he looked, or the sixth, excuse me, looked, looked really, really good. But then coming into the seventh inning, he just seemed to completely lose control. And I don't know if he got pulled too late, but he definitely didn't seem to have his stuff. Yeah, Tuck Tucker came in for him. A couple more runs scored. But all five in the inning were charged to Sean Hine. And when he left, it was 10-1. to And I say the one positive of the Maryland weekend was this Friday night game because bottom of the seventh inning, you're coming to bat. you got nine outs to work with, and you're down by nine runs. Usually does not bode well. And a lot of teams would roll over there. Maryland did not roll over. Instead, the offense went right back to work. Against Carl Kaufman, the Friday guy from Michigan, who had been so good, he'd given up just the one run over six innings of work. But then the Terps came out in the seventh. Caleb Walls drew a walk. After a Justin Vogt strikeout, Michael Panero bounced one to second that it looked like a K.O. Thomas was going to easily turn for a double play. He's a senior second baseman who's been very good in his career defensively, but just let one slip through his legs. It went into right field, and the Terps made the most of that opportunity. A three-run home run from Chris Aileen down the right field line that just snuck over the wall made it a 10-4 to ball game, and you felt like, all right, the Terps have crept back into it and maybe just hanging around. But with the inning ending at 10-4, to it's still tough to try and come back. Terps went to Drew Wilden out of the pen. He puts up a zero in the eighth, and then the Terps go right back to it in the eighth inning. Carl Kaufman came out of there. Isaiah Page came in for Michigan. He walked a batter, then got two outs. Then a Caleb Walls RBI double made it 10-5. to Page came out. Benjamin Kaiser, the lefty, came in, who's had a great season. Justin Vogt with an RBI double in the first pitch makes it 10-6. Then Kaiser walks three guys in a row. The last one to Chris Aline brought in a run and made it 10-7. And Michigan went back to the pen. And I think this was really the key move in the game, Zach, by Eric Backich. Instead of letting some other relievers try and get the outs, with the bases loaded and two outs at a 10-7 game in the eighth, he goes to his closer, Willie Weiss, and it works as he gets A.J. Lee to bounce out for that final out. And the Terps eventually do lose the game 10-7. to But the fight was big in those late innings. And to get the tying run to first base after being down 10-1 to in the seventh, that's a positive to take away. Absolutely. And that, that was kind of the Terps' offensive highlight of the weekend. 
and that's where they really seem to have it. And if you look away from that five-run inning in the seventh that Michigan had, then you think Maryland might really have a chance if they're able to break into the Michigan bullpen. Now Carl Kaufman was was lights out. He had a, an absolutely great night with eight strikeouts, seven innings pitched. But, you know, he was the Big Ten pitcher of the week going into that, and he had a lot of momentum. So did Michigan. It was just too much for the Terps to overcome. It was, and – on Saturday, after Michigan had taken game one of the series, it, it was more of the same for the Michigan offense, but they were helped a little more by the Terps pitching in this one. Now, Zach Thompson got the start, and he was kind of rolling along early in this game. He did give up one run in the third inning, an RBI single from Jimmy Kerr, but the Terps answered right back. A Randy Bednar homer in the bottom of the third tied the game at one. And then each pitcher put up a zero in the fourth. It was Zach Thompson versus the midseason All-American Tommy Henry, who struggled in Big Ten play, so has been moved into the Saturday role. And then Zach Thompson was rolling along, got out there in the fifth, retired the first two batters with a strikeout and a flyout in the fifth inning. And you're thinking, wow, Thompson's going to continue to roll along here in this game. But he ends up walking Jordan Brewer, and that starts a string of five straight free passes, four walks, and a hit batter in the inning where Thompson just completely lost the strike zone. All of a sudden, he leaves the game. It's 3-1, to one, and the bases are loaded with nobody out. Terps turned it over to Sean Fisher, who did not have one of his better outings, and it ended up being a four-run fifth inning for Michigan, and the Wolverines went right back to it in the sixth inning. They put up three more runs in the sixth against Sean Fisher. And all of a sudden, you look up at the scoreboard, and it's 8-1 to one after it was 1-1 to one in the fifth. And, and it was just kind of wild to watch Thompson. He rolled along, and then, boom, Jordan Brewer comes to the plate with two out and nobody on, and he just lost the entire strike zone. You know, that can happen to pitchers from time to time, but it, it was really a bad time for that to happen in Maryland because you kind of felt like after they lost the Hunter Parsons game, they really needed that Saturday game, were right in it, and then he just lost the feel. Michigan, their offense, the best in the Big Ten, does not allow opposing pitchers really any room for mistakes. We saw it with Hunter Parsons. They really worked his counts a lot, trying to force him to make mistakes. So therefore, they were able to capitalize on them. That's what made Hunter Parsons on Friday night go only five innings. So once they realized Thompson was kind of getting behind, they just tried to work out or work the counts, take, a, take the pitches outside that they needed to take to get themselves on base and do whatever they could to tack on runs. Terps tried to score late again in this one, which they did a little bit, but it wasn't enough. Home run in the sixth for Maxwell Costas made it 8-2. to two. RBI ground out from A.J. Lee in the seventh, made it 8-3. to three. Michigan added two more on a two-run homer from Jesse Franklin in the ninth. Terps got one back on a Ben Cowles homer in the ninth, but ultimately lost it 10-4, to four, and Michigan clinched the series. And then going into Sunday, a game we thought might not even happen. It was supposed to start at 1. They moved it back to 2. Started the game at 2 o'clock, and in that one, it was Trevor Labonte versus Jeff Criswell, and Labonte gave up a run in the first, a solo homer from Jordan Wogu on the second pitch of the game. Terps answered in the first with a Maxwell Costas RBI single to make it 1-1. Went to the third at 1-1, and then Labonte, similarly to what Zach Thompson did the day before, just completely lost the strike zone. Walk, hit by pitch, walk, walk, walk in that third inning. And then Labonte was out of there in a 3-1 game with the bases loaded and nobody out. Drew Wilden came into the game. As Wilden was coming into the game, the skies opened up. The game went into about a 45-minute rain delay. When we came back, Drew Wilden was sensational, allowed just one more run to score, and it was a 4-1 to game. 
but that one run in the first was all the Terps offense would get. In the fifth inning, Michigan would get back to it on a two-run home run off the bat of Miles Lewis, a pinch hitter against Andrew Vale, who had worked through an inning and two-thirds of great relief, just left one pitch too far out over the plate for the two-run homer. And then Michigan just piled it on a seven-run sixth inning against Elliot Zollner and Sean Fisher, who, again, Fisher just didn't have his best stuff. And all of a sudden, it was a 13-to-1 ball game. And luckily for, I think, everyone involved, no one scored the seventh through the ninth, and it stayed as a 13-to-1 game. Nick Turnbull and John Murphy did a nice job in relief to keep it at just 13-to-1. But that was the sweep, and, and overall on the weekend, it was a disappointing one for Maryland to get swept. But kind of the way the pitching happened, Zach, you know, Hunter Parsons getting roughed up early and having his team in a big early hole, and then Thompson and Labonte just losing the strike zone at a snap of a finger. And all of a sudden, in both games, the game was kind of out of reach. You said it perfectly, Connor, and then you have to look at the starting pitching. The bullpen, besides that one inning Sean Hine had, was pretty good this past weekend. They tried to stop the bleeding where they could. Drew Wilden, absolutely phenomenal. Two innings in relief on uh, Friday night, you know, stopping the bleeding there. Pitched a scoreless eighth and ninth, and then again on Sunday doing a very good job there. So if there's any bright spot for the Terps, it's the bullpen. But Michigan, they knew it was going to be a tough challenge, but it, they proved to be just unstoppable on both sides of the ball. So it was a sweep that sent Maryland to 8-10 and 10 in the Big Ten and Michigan to 14-3. and three. And the Wolverines now have a somewhat comfortable lead at the top of the Big Ten standings. Two and a half games over second place Indiana, three games over third place Nebraska, and three and a half games over both Iowa and Minnesota. And of course, Minnesota, that's where the Terps travel this weekend. And we want to break down the Big Ten standings a little bit because we're getting to that point and we were kind of, we felt like with the Terps in the same scenario last year where the Terps were hovering around the bottom of that top eight, you know, right around the cut line for the Big Ten tournament. We were talking about the Terps winning some games, but they did have that tough final series against Indiana. The difference last year was the Terps had a home series against Rutgers in the second to last weekend. They swept that series. They handled their business, but then got swept in Bloomington. This year, it's a little tougher. You go on the road against the defending Big Ten champs, then you come back home to one of the hottest teams in the conference right now with the Iowa Hawkeyes. So it's going to be tough for Maryland. But to break down the standings, the, the teams that really matter for Maryland right now are Illinois, who is at 10-8, and eight, and then from Illinois really all the way down to Ohio State, who is at 7-11. and 11. That's five other teams the Terps have to worry about. Now, Maryland at 8-10 and 10, sits in eighth place. Northwestern is also 8-10, and 10, but the Terps took two of three in Evanston a couple weeks ago, so have the tiebreaker, and that's why they sit in eighth place right now. The teams I really want to focus on are these teams that are 7 through 11 in the standings right now, Zach. That's Rutgers at 8-9, and nine, Maryland at 8-10, and 10, Northwestern at 8-10, and 10, Purdue at 7-10, and 10, and Ohio State at 7-11. and 11. The important thing is, for Maryland at least, there's only two teams they've played. One of them, Northwestern, they had the tiebreaker over. Ohio State has the tiebreaker over the Terps. But you look at the bottom of those standings, those are all teams besides Northwestern that lost series over the weekend. It's starting to seem like nobody really wants these last couple of spots in the Big Ten tournament. Exactly, Connor. And it's puzzling to say the least. Maryland, if they're fortunate for anything, is that they have the tiebreakers over Illinois, who if they start losing could end up in a tie with Maryland. They have the tiebreaker over Northwestern, but they do lose it to Ohio State. But like you said, 
you know, Northwestern, Ohio State losing their series this past weekend. So did Maryland. So now it's kind of just what it comes down to. And unfortunately for Maryland, they've got a really tough challenge facing the defending Big Ten champions. And then you've got the two teams that are tied for fourth place. It's Minnesota and uh, Iowa. Yeah, it's going to be tough for Maryland. But, you know, for the Terps, on one hand, Maryland does control its own destiny at, at the moment. If the Terps win their final six games and go 14-10, and 10, they will be in the Big Ten tournament. But you look at the schedule, and that's, you hope what happens, but probably won't happen. So then really in the last two weeks is when you start kind of looking around and really, really scoreboard watching because all these teams are bunched together. So we'll start with what maybe is somewhat surprisingly the biggest series in the Big Ten this weekend as far as the bottom of the conference goes. The biggest series in the Big Ten is Indiana at Michigan. That's the first, first, second place team in the conference meeting this weekend. Those are going to be three really good and really important games. But for all these teams bunched at the bottom, the most important series is Northwestern in Piscataway against Rutgers. Rutgers is 8-9. and nine. They're a half game up on the Terps and sit in seventh place. Northwestern 8-10, and 10, same record as the Terps, but are in ninth because Maryland has the tiebreaker. So really, if you're Maryland, if you look at that series first, you're just kind of hoping for one team to sweep the other team. Now, the good part is if one of them does sweep, they move into seventh, maybe ahead of Maryland. That's okay as long as the Terps stay in eighth. But at some point, it's kind of weird to think about because you want them both to lose. But you look at it, Zach, and you say, if one team can sweep the other one out of there, Maybe Maryland just starts playing for eighth, and that's about it. Exactly. That's what I was just going to say is that if Maryland can, let's say, you know, Rutgers, you know, sweeps Northwestern, that entirely broadens the gap there that Maryland just has in eighth place not to worry about. But then you've got Ohio State right behind there and Purdue that if those teams can sweep their series this weekend, then they can, you know, catch up with Maryland and Ohio State has the tiebreaker there. Yeah, that's, that's really the team the Terps have to worry about the most. And, and it gets a little bit more worrisome this weekend because, as you said, Ohio State, they got swept over the weekend by Minnesota. That was a big sweep for the Terps in a series that they weren't playing in. But Ohio State comes back home this weekend, and they play the Penn State Nittany Lions. Now, Penn State's been playing some better baseball as of late, but they're still 3-16 and 16 in the conference, and they've had a struggle this year. And Ohio State gets a three-game home series with them, that is a big series for Ohio State, and that's really the most dangerous team for Maryland because that's the only team bunched down here with the tiebreaker over the Terps because they beat them in a series. So if you're Maryland and you're a Maryland fan, you are a Penn State baseball fan, <laughs> tried and true this weekend in Columbus, and that's obviously a huge, huge series as well. Other series in the Big Ten we talked about, Indiana and Michigan, going to be a great series. Uh, if they're playing when the Terps and the Gophers aren't playing, I recommend you watch those games. The first game Friday night is on ESPNU, if you'd like to flip to that one after <laughs> the Friday night game in Minnesota between the Terps and the Gophers. But the other series that don't matter much, Michigan State at Iowa. You know, Michigan State's, I wouldn't say completely out of it. They're 5-12 and 12 right now, and they are just two and a half games back of Maryland. So if Michigan State made a run, so just to be safe, maybe a cheer for Iowa to get you know two or three wins in Iowa City against Michigan State. And then the other series, which really does matter for the Terps, Nebraska in third place is playing out of conference against Arizona State. That doesn't matter, obviously. Purdue at Illinois, and that's another series where Illinois is at 10-8. and eight. And yes, if you're Maryland, you can get some wins. 
Probably big if Illinois loses because you have the tiebreaker, but Illinois at 10-8 and eight is already two games up on the Terps. And with six games left, that can be tough to catch. On the flip side, Purdue is a half game back of Maryland, and they haven't played each other, so the Terps don't have the tiebreaker. So if you want your cheering interest in that one as well, you're probably cheering for Illinois to sweep that. So while the road is tough, Zach, really my whole point of this, while the road is tough for the Terps specifically, and you have to handle your business, you can never put it in the hands of other teams. Have to handle your business. But if the Terps can somewhat handle their business, at least this weekend, it's seemingly a favorable draw for Maryland and not for these other teams at the bottom. Exactly, Connor. So let's say Illinois sweeps Purdue and Rutgers sweeps Northwestern. That really broadens the gaps in between Maryland. But if Maryland gets swept this weekend, then they fall further behind and we're kind of in the it, same place. It doesn't we are really now. matter, yeah. Yeah, but if Maryland, you know, can take two out of three games or three out of three games against Minnesota this weekend because they've been playing really well on the road, the Terps have, that can be really big for them and put them into a really, really good position going into the final weekend. Yeah, we we say this because the matchups work out well on paper, but you just never know what's going to happen. And as Zach said, it's on the Terps as well. And the Terps need to come up and at least, at the very least, get one win. And they're probably going to need to get two wins this weekend in Minnesota. You feel like 11 wins is going to get the Terps, well, 12 wins is going to get the Terps in at 12-12. and 12. That would mean a 4-2 and two finish. However, the way the bottom of the Big Ten is shaking out, it might only take 11 wins to get in this year. So you feel like a 3-3 three and three finish to the season should do it for the Terps. It looks like 11-13 and 13 is going to get you in at the bottom. So the Terps are going to need to start to get those wins this weekend in Minnesota. And one of the guys who has been hitting pretty well at the plate lately and can really help this Terps team and this Terps offense get back to where it was a couple weeks ago is the freshman second baseman, Ben Cowles, who after a little bit of a tough start to his freshman year where he's been in the lineup pretty much since day one, the batting average was around 160 at one point. He's really started to hit the ball well. He's coming up with some big hits. He came just a triple away from the cycle over the weekend, had a big game on Saturday, had a single double and a homer in that one. And Zach had a chance to sit down with Ben Cowles to talk about his senior season so far and who's really helped him develop as a player and where he thinks this Terps team can go. So here is Zach's conversation with Terps freshman second baseman Ben Cowles. Here is the one-two. Little fly ball over the head of the first baseman. Falgo, and it drops in for a base hit. Costa's coming around third. He scores easily. Cowell stops at first. And into third is Holti Monsera. An RBI single there for Ben Cowles. One he really needed with the bat slowing down a little bit. And the Terps take a 6-0 lead. A one breaking pitch hit in the air. Left field. Kaplan back at the track. At the wall. It's gone! Ben Cowles, his first career homer, and the Terps lead it 10-9 in the seventh inning. Zach Solon here for the Maryland Baseball Network podcast, joined by Maryland freshman infielder Ben Cowles. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So, Ben, let's get started first with your freshman year at Maryland. Mm -hmm. It's your first season here. How do you think it's been going for you so far? What are some things that have surprised you, and what are some things you're still trying to work on? Uh, I know I've, I've grown a lot, and that's basically on the seniors. I give all credit to them because without them, I wouldn't be where I am right now because they took me under their wing and made me who I am. But 
couple things that like surprised me the most is like how much we travel and how much like school we miss. So it's tough keeping up, but got to find a way to do it. Now, mine. yeah, continue. I'm all set. <laughs> so let's now talk about where you're from. You're from Newark, New York, which mm. is all the way upstate. I'm from just outside New York City. So even traveling up, you're by the Great Lakes. That's yeah. pretty far away. So how do you find a school like Maryland and how does Maryland find a school like you? Uh, it all started summer in, um, summer ball. I think I was a sophomore in high school, and I went to a perfect game tournament down in New Jersey. And it's funny because I saw uh, Coach Ball in there recruiting some other kid, and he's, he wound up staying and watched my game. And I, I went like 4-4, four, four, a couple doubles and a single, and he gave me his card and told me to call him after that, and the rest is history. Now, you had some really good years in high school. You played varsity from, from eighth grade on. So how did that kind of – help to develop your skills having, you know, over four years on varsity experience, which is not a lot of, you know, players get, especially at the college level. So you've already been competing at the highest level possible pretty much since, you know, five years ago. So how has that helped you to uh, today? It mainly started from, like, when I was – when I was uh, just working? Yeah. Uh, it mainly started when I was a freshman in high school. I always wanted to be, like, better than seniors. I always looked up to them for advice. So I guess always just hanging around older guys, and they just put their arm around me tell me, like, what's the way to go and stuff like that. Now, talking about that, now you're a freshman on this mm -hmm. team, but you have been getting a lot of playing time. Who's been kind of the most important people who have helped you along the way or have, you know, uh, have you sought I've, out for I've advice? I've mainly, uh, definitely T. Wright, A.J., Randy, and Justin Vogt. They helped me a lot. You know, A.J. and T. Wright with the defensive side of the game and Randy and Justin for hitting. I mean, I, I hit with T. Wright a lot and Randy on Mondays on our off days, so. Definitely go to that when I'm struggling. Now, your first year here at Maryland, obviously, and you've pretty much been thrown into a starting role. You've started pretty much every game that we, they've had, especially in this recent stretch. Have you, you know, have you felt in that role, kind of being a really important player? I, I, I think I settled in. At first, I was really nervous because I only played like a handful of games at second base before coming to Maryland. And even in practice, I, I played shortstop behind AJ, so I was really expecting that. So it's, it's interesting. So let's talk a little bit more about playing that middle infield. I know you played kind of a little bit of everywhere in high school. You were even a pitcher, right? So you've had to play second base, and then you had to take over for A.J. Lee at shortstop. Mm -hmm. How did you adjust to that, and then how did playing both positions in the middle infield kind of have to change your mindset a little bit? Uh, I, I, I played shortstop in high school and travel ball, so I was used to shortstop. Then moving over to second base, A.J. T like taught me a lot about second base. Tommy helped me a lot, even though he's injured, so that was big for him. And... Um, I, I don't know. It's just it's it's different going over second base because I, I I never played it before. So now there's pretty much two freshmen in the starting lineup for Maryland. It, they're both on the right side of the infield, mm -hmm. and you and and Maxwell. So how have you two kind of tried to work together on that side of the infield, try and build up your friendship and communication? Mm -hmm. How has that gone throughout the season and even before? Um, you know, me and Max are actually pretty close. Um, he always pops his head in my room whenever <laughs> he's bored and. Always comes grabs grabs like a drink of water and steals some stuff from our room, so it's funny. But even in the games, we always talk, we always have a good time, and I think it's just building chemistry between us that's big. And then, how have you guys communicated with AJ and Taylor on the other side of the field? I know you said you hit with those guys a lot, but have they given you any defensive pointers or any you know a lot of pointers at playing at the Division One level that Taylor's been at for a couple of years and AJ his entire yeah, you know career? they're both seniors, so they have a lot of experience. So they 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 definitely show me some stuff, and like even in, even in the game, they they. Help me like position like AJ has a car in his back pocket. Tells me like to pull or like shift over. He definitely has a lot of influence on me. So now 
What about the freshmen in general on this team? You've got you, Maxwell, like I said, also Trevor Labonte and a couple of guys in the bullpen really making a difference. How do you guys feel as a whole that you've contributed as a freshman class? What else do you think you could bring in the rest of your years here? Well, I think playing as a freshman is big because you get the game time experience. You know, Trevor get thrown in the starting rotation on Sunday, so that's me big for him because he can come back even better next year. And, uh, you know, a lot of the guys in the bullpen are freshmen, so that – like I said before, they got a lot of innings. Josh got some innings at the plate. Max starting at first base. Cody, he got some at-bats too starting at first base. So it's, it's all about getting reps and what we can bring to the table next year. Now, when you first signed on to come to Maryland, did you know any of those guys beforehand? Had you played with them before? Uh, I haven't played with any of them before, but I, I met a couple of them at, like, summer ball tournaments down in Georgia and Florida So and the official visit. I met them there. And it's a couple of football games to come down. They're all here. So once you got into the starting lineup this year and, and you started off, you did start in a little bit of a slump, but mm -hmm. I think as recently you've been breaking out of it. What did you do to change that? Was it maybe, you know, starting off the season in your freshman year right mm -hmm. away, or did it take time to adjust, or what else did you uh, do? It took some time to adjust. Like, obviously going from high school pitching to college pitching is a big difference. And, like, obviously going, hitting extra with Justin Vogt and calling my hitting, uh, calling Swope up, asking him to a hit, and just working with him a lot. So talking a little bit more about the coaches, obviously, you know, you saw Vaughn when he recruited you and then whatnot, but how have you connected with, you know, each of, the, of your four coaches and, and how have they helped you kind of progress throughout they, the year? They've helped me a lot. And Moose, even though he's like a, a, the pitching coach, he, he knows a lot of the stuff about uh, um, fielding. So he helped me a lot. Even today, he stayed for like 30 minutes after practice to help me the ground balls at second base and like r routes, my routes and angles. Swope, um, He's our hitting coach, and I like him a lot. He, he spent a lot of hours with me and Vaughn and Pap on the bases and stuff, so they helped me a lot. So now focusing, we're kind of in the home stretch of the season, mm -hmm. six Big Ten games left, and you guys are trying to get back to the tournament. It would be your first tournament. So what are some goals that the team has as a whole for these next two weeks? Uh, it's been – we've been talking a lot about practice of, like, whether or not we're going to make the Big Ten tournament, so we might as well go out and play, like, these last seven games – as hard as we can because it's the seniors' last seven games they could ever play potentially if they don't get picked up. So I think it's just motivation for us to go out and play as hard as we can because we only have seven games with those four seniors and they've, they've put a lot of heart and soul into this program. So might as well do it for them. And even though you're the infielder, you're going to be connecting more with AJ and Taylor. How about Hunter and, and Murph? How have they mm -hmm. been helping you throughout uh, the year and just the team in general? Yeah, Hunter and um, Hunter and Murph really influenced me about like, just like my mindset, cause like I I can get down on myself sometimes. They always pick me up when I'm when I'm down. I always go to them when I'm struggling or like sometimes in school. I can go go to Murph and go to Hunt. They can help me. And then going forward, you know, you gotta focus not just on the team goals but also on yourself personally. First off, what were some goals that you had coming into the season that you feel you've accomplished already? Um. Well. Coming into the season, I really want to start at, like, actually anywhere on the field. And starting at second base is kind of cool, starting in a field position. And that was one of my goals. And um, I guess, like, another goal was just, like, play as hard as I can because it's the only opportunity I can get. So. And you've obviously been playing hard. Mm -hmm. You had to take over for AJ, like we already said, when he went down with the injury. Then you moved back over to second base. It looks like you've transitioned pretty well from there. So have you set any new goals for yourself for these next couple of weeks? And how are you going to try and, you know, seek uh, those out? I haven't really set any new goals. I'm just staying, like, true to my approach and, like, yeah, just staying true to my approach and, like, hitting pitch that I can swing at. Because 
when I get in trouble is when I get my chase out of the zone. That's 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 about it. And then going forward, you know, you're going to be here for a while. Mm-hmm. Just your first year here at Maryland. What are some goals you have for the team and for yourself mm-hmm. going forward? You know, 2020, 21, 22. You know, um, so probably for next year is like build up the the freshman like the seniors did to me because they because they, they got me game ready for this season so I, again all credit goes to them so I that's the least I can do is build up the young pups coming in next year and get an experience I learned this year what are some leadership roles that you've had in the past that you think could help you along along the way into into that uh, I'm not really a big like leader guy I, I I'm not a big vocal guy um, I usually lead my team by like example and like how I play in the field and like how hard I try and like, and hopefully that like inspires other people to like work hard and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. so now let's break it down into the more fun stuff. I like to say. So mm-hmm. you play baseball a while. Um, what's the craziest baseball story you have? Could be something that happened oh. traveling or, or um, something else. Craziest baseball story. I gotta think about this one. Um, well, I can tell you one that happened this year was like the VCU game where he hit a home run, and then the next my next AB like. I hit I hit one off the top of the batter's eye and somehow it came back into play and I don't know how that happened. You ever have a two two homer game? I have not. Not yet. Even nope. in, even back in high school. Nope. All right. Now I saw also that you pitched a little bit in high mm-hmm. school as a reliever. Have has the, do your coaches even know that here at Maryland? I'm sure they, they don't. No, <laughs> I would get lit up here. <laughs> exactly. So. <laughs> Um, ben, I, uh, I thank you for your time. Thank you for I, having me. You know, look forward to having you on, hopefully, throughout the course of the next couple of years mm-hmm. here at Maryland. Good luck going forward, and I look forward to watching you play. Thank you. So a good conversation with Terps freshman second baseman Ben Cowles. And, Zach, you know, Ben, as we talked about, he had the struggles early, really some struggles defensively. You know, if you really go back to that Louisiana series, he he made an error in that doubleheader that ended up being the walk-off run for Louisiana, and, and he had some struggles with the bat, but he's really picked it up lately when the Terps have needed it. And now all of a sudden, he's a huge piece of this Maryland offense, and that can be tough for a freshman, but he seems to be handling it really well. Yeah, I talked about it, and as you heard him say in the interview, he was really into, you know, he's been working with the seniors on that left side of the infield in, in A.J. and Taylor, and then he works with his other freshman, Maxwell, on that right side of the infield. So he's, he's really liked, you know, adjusting to Maryland. He kind of, you know, admitted his, his uh, mistakes and his, his struggles at the beginning of the season. But, you know, he's coming to his own here at Maryland, and, and I think uh, he could be a really big piece for the Terps, not only this year, but for the next three or four years to come. Yeah, he could be a huge piece for Maryland as this team goes down the stretch, could Ben Cowles. And they hope he can continue as the defense gets better, the offense gets better. And, and he probably won't have a chance to move up in the lineup this year, but I assume in the future he will be at the top of that Maryland lineup. But right now he's kind of playing the role of the anchor at the bottom of the lineup, the guy who's looking to get on base. Really him and Michael Panero have been the guys the last couple of weeks who set it up for those top guys, Lee Bednar and Wright, who are obviously still swinging the bat very well for Maryland. And you know, that's something the Terps are going to need this weekend in Minnesota. A good Minnesota team, the defending Big Ten regular season and Big Ten tournament champions, a team that hosted a regional, won a regional, went to the Super Regionals last year, and were eliminated by Oregon State. Not a bad team to be eliminated <laughs> by in Corvallis, the Beavers who went on to win the national championship last year. Minnesota had a fantastic season, their first ever Super Regional appearance 
They won three College World Series back in the 50s and 60s. There weren't nearly as many teams competing in the NCAA tournament back then. So I would argue this might have been Minnesota's best team ever last year. But I'm sure Minnesota fans would probably argue one of the three national championships. <laughs> Either way, a great baseball team last year. But they lost a good amount of their offense, and their pitching has changed. But it's been interesting, Zach, because this team played maybe the toughest out-of-conference schedule you could potentially imagine. They started their season in Arizona playing two games against Gonzaga, a rematch with Oregon State, and against New Mexico, and they lost three of four. Then they went on the road to a Dallas Baptist team, who in any other sport you would say, Dallas Baptist, that's a cupcake. In baseball, <laughs> one of the premier programs in Texas, lost two of three. Then they went on the road to NC State, Think about all these games on the road. Obviously, it's tough to play in Minnesota mm -hmm. early in the season. But they went to NC State, lost all three. Then they played this really cool series at T-Mobile Park, the home of the Mariners in Seattle. Lost all three. A game to Oregon State, defending national champs, played them again. Game to San Diego, solid California program. Game to Washington, a super regional team last year. <laughs> then they played a series on the road against Long Beach State, one of the perennial underdog California programs, did win two of three, which was a good series win for them. And then conference play started. That was the non-conference schedule for Minnesota. That's difficult. That's why their record's 22 and 23. And I think that's helped them now go 11 and 7 in the Big Ten. Absolutely, Connor. I really commend that coaching staff there at Minnesota for, for not only taking the success from last year, but saying we want to build upon that. We're going to challenge our team. We're going to raise that bar. And going up against, I think you named some of the best programs in the country, you know, bar none. So that was, you know, I, I really, that coaching staff at Minnesota really wants to challenge their players. So they knew when they get to the Big Ten, which is not the strongest conference at all in, in college baseball, but still has some pretty big competitors. And they wanted to have Minnesota back up there again as the Big Ten champion. So I, I commend that coaching staff. But, you know, that, that still means that they, they are seasoned. They, they have faced some tough challenges. Maryland's only faced a couple of ranked teams. They were swept by ECU and by, and by Coastal and lost to Coastal Carolina. So, you know, Maryland not as successful in their conquest against tough teams that, that Minnesota may have been, but Minnesota's got that experience. And it's a very young Minnesota team. They're really led by a lot of sophomores, a lot of freshmen who played very well last year. And so, you know, maybe it might have been tough for all those young players to play all those really tough games on the road early. But I think it's really, you know, matured them quickly for this end part of the season. They're 11-7 and seven in the Big Ten, are coming off a home sweep against Ohio State to get to 11-7 and seven and have set themselves up pretty well. As we record this, they're late in a 5-0 lead in a midweek game over South Dakota State. So we'll say they win that one, and hopefully I don't look stupid after the fact. But <laughs> that'll put them at 22-23. and 23. They play against Nebraska-Omaha Wednesday night in a midweek. So they could be an even 500 overall when they take on the Terps Friday. And again, we'll still be 11-7 in the Big Ten. And to break down the Gophers, I had a chance to chat with Jack Warwick, who covers this Minnesota baseball squad for the Minnesota Daily. And Jack had some good insight onto that early season schedule and the struggles they kind of went to. And this team pulling it together during Big Ten play, but also all the pitching changes. And I don't mean during games. I mean role changes for these pitchers. Max Meyer, their closer from last year, who saved 16 games and tied a program record, he's the Friday starter now. The guy who started the first couple of Fridays this year before Meyer got that role He's in the bullpen now, basically playing in a setup role. 
The Big Ten Pitcher of the Year, Patrick Fredrickson, he's in the bullpen right now. So it's been a lot of changes for Minnesota. And Jack was able to break that down very well for us. So without further ado, here's my conversation breaking down this Golden Gopher team with Jack Warwick of the Minnesota Daily. So we are joined by Jack Warwick of the Minnesota Daily to talk some Gopher baseball. And Jack, first of all, thanks so much for coming on the podcast this week. Hey, no problem, Connor. Happy to help. And, you know, there's a lot to get to with this Minnesota team from them going to a Super Regional last year to being under 500 overall at the moment. But I want to start with last weekend for Minnesota. Of course, they get a sweep over Ohio State to really help them climb the Big Ten standings and feel a lot more comfortable about finishing in that top eight. But obviously the big storyline from the weekend is Minnesota and Ohio State were supposed to play and doubleheader on Saturday and well they did play 18 innings of baseball but it, it was all in one game now did you cover that game and what was it like to cover an 18 inning baseball game I did yeah I mean I, I can tell you that in the in the press box people were losing their minds you know it looked like um like on the field you know things were kind of breaking down and you know people coaches and players were getting you know angsty and uh, they're making up antics in the uh, in the dugouts they're putting stuff on their heads and switching their jerseys around and their pants around just to kind of stay in it you know and i don't know it, it seemed like uh, uh it was just getting just, nobody was really coming to play with the offense it was just a, a pitching duel there for seven innings and, or eight innings and then just finally something happened just everybody was kind of waiting for something to happen and, crowd started dwindling it started out it's just you know tons of people there packed house and you know got down to you know half or a quarter of what it was and, you know it's a really weird scene as it got dark and started at two o'clock and went till you know almost eight there so it was, it was one of the craziest games i've ever covered and i'm, I'm pretty sure if, if uh, that would have gone the other way it could have gone either way but if that would have gone the other way i don't think that we would have seen it you know those types of performances by the gophers on uh, yesterday, I don't think so. And that doubleheader they had that and got that sweep, you know. And 18 innings and the Gophers walked it off in the 18th. And kind of watching that game, it probably had a different feel than maybe a, a March 18-inning game would have had. I mean, these were two teams who, starting the series, I believe were separated by a game in the Big Ten standings, both trying to get into the Big Ten tournament. And the pitching, I mean, for essentially nine innings was phenomenal from both teams. Uh, was there kind of a feeling of this was almost like a, a huge game, somewhat of a postseason game for both teams? Because a loss, you know, would have hurt either team pretty big in the standings that it ended up didn't go Ohio State's way. But was that kind of the feeling as that game went on in extra innings? Yeah, it seems like, you know, there was some kind of, you know, both teams weren't, you know, in the best position, you know, in the league. And, you know, the Gophers had really been down, you know, the last couple weeks. I don't think they won a series since... When was it? Um, Nebraska. So March 31st. So I think they lost three weekend series in a row. And uh, tough one to Oklahoma and Indiana. And uh, yeah, then they came back and they really needed a, they kind of like had a reset, it seemed like. And they came into this game and they just weren't going to, you know, let it, you know, end, you know, in a bad way. And they went 18 innings. And, you know, yeah, it really just seemed like, you know, both teams weren't going to, you know, drop and, you know, let them score there at the end and, you know, kind of went the Gophers' way. But I think that it could have gone either either team's way there at the end. You know, I guess thankfully for the Gophers, it, it did. And that kind of brought them through to the next day and the, the doubleheader the next day and got that sweep for them. 
and, and Minnesota gets a huge series sweep over Ohio State. The Gophers, as we record this, 21-23, and 11-7 in the Big Ten. They are in a pretty good position at the moment to qualify for the Big Ten tournament. Obviously, they have a couple of midweek games this week coming up, and then we'll have the three at home against Maryland over the weekend. And, you know, when people talk about this Minnesota baseball team this season, first of all, it's been – they played a very tough out-of-conference schedule, and that has a lot to do with the record. But if you're just looking at the record, I mean, this Minnesota team was phenomenal last year, 44-15, and 18-4 and in the Big Ten, won the Big Ten regular season title, won the conference title, ho- or won the tournament title, hosted and won a regional and went to the Supers. And now this season, you know, it, it doesn't look like this team has a great chance of getting an at-large bid, so it's going to take – another Big Ten tournament title to seemingly get back to the NCAAs. So we'll get back into a lot of this in more detail in a little bit, but just the kind of the short answer, what, what do you feel like has been the difference? Has it just been the tougher schedule, or what do you think it's been this year? No, yeah, I think there's there's just some key players, from, you know, some Taron Vavres and Luke Pedersen, but pretty much the entire infield and much of it, the hitting over the top of the order was – you know, lost from, from last year. From They drafted in the third round Taron Bauer, the shortstop, and he was their top hitter at almost 400, I think, was his batting average. And, you know, a couple of just real important guys and leaders on that team that were seniors. And, and uh, a Friday starter, Reggie Meyer, who, uh, who, like, who wasn't the best pitcher, but he was just, a you know, kind of a solid pitcher that could throw, you know, six or seven innings without, you know, letting up too many runs. And, you know, they, they lost some key players, and, their, their ace kind of from last year as well. Patrick Fredrickson really wasn't performing in the beginning of the year. Uh, and he had an injury, a slight you know shoulder injury a couple weeks ago and he's been recovering from that, working back into the bullpen. And I think we're going to start seeing him start uh, later here when he gets, you know, full, full recovery. But, you know, it's that those are some of the things. And yeah, that, I guess that, that tough schedule kind of exposed them. You could see that they weren't, you know, what they were, but maybe that also helped them, you know, get out of that uh, in the beginning, that uh, trying to figure out, like, what kind of team this was, playing the best competition, they all kind of seemed to say it was the, the way that they could figure out who they were and kind of mold themselves back into what they were from last season. And, and you talked about the pitching a little bit, and, and I want to get to that, because this weekend rotation looks, or at the moment, at least what it's been the last couple of weeks, for Minnesota looks very different than it did last year and and even different than it looked at the beginning of the season for the Gophers as Max Meyer who was maybe the best reliever in the Big Ten last year with the 16 saves tied a school record he started this year out of the bullpen now he's the Friday night starter Patrick Fredrickson was the Big Ten pitcher of the year last year he struggled this year and now he's in the bullpen as you said after some injuries and a couple of new guys have stepped in on Saturdays and Sundays so Kind of at the moment, you know, what does that weekend rotation look like, and what does Minnesota get right now from those three guys? Yeah, so Max Myers pretty much lights out on Friday every time. You know, it didn't really change him at all going from that closer that you talked about, 16 saves, that's just crazy, tied the program record that was set the year before. Um, you know, he didn't really skip a beat moving into, into Friday. He's just real relaxed, and he's a. I think he's you know going to be drafted next year. He's, he's a pretty good player, batter as well. He can. I think he's what fourth in batting average, and you know he's got a heck of a bat as well. But um, yeah, other than that, uh, they've had to 
fine to switch it around a little bit. They put Sam Thorson in there, you know, on Saturdays. Um, they move, you know, other guys in there. And sometimes a, a guy will get, will get pulled in, you know, the first inning, like last weekend. I know um, on Sunday, uh, the usual starter, Josh Culliver, he's got a 5-4-7 ERA right now. He got pulled in the first inning after letting up, I think, four or five runs. So, you know, it's it's been difficult, the, the starting pitching, and that's kind of what been what you know, Anderson has talked about is just finding that, you know, order. And that. So that's kind of usually what it's going to be is Max is kind of that ace and real solid. I don't think he's ever been pulled before the fifth or sixth. And, you know, uh, then Sam Thoris on Saturday and probably Josh Culver on Sunday usually. But, you know, they switch them around still. And, you know, uh, they, they got a great closer, you know, that, that is making up. Uh, for that, that Boston Max in uh, Brett Scholes, he's uh, been great this year with five saves and a five and one record. He, I think he had a fourteen and zero career re- or winning record or winning uh, streak going into last weekend, and then it, he uh, broke it after letting up a couple of home runs and dropping, I think, his first save of the year. So Brett Scholes is another guy that comes out of the bullpen and it's pretty much lights out. Him and Max are a great combo. So watch out for that on Fridays. And and a guy you mentioned a little bit is is Patrick Fredrickson, who I think is you know the most interesting kind of case on this team this mm-hmm. year. He was the lights out freshman last year, pitching on the weekends yep. for Minnesota. Big Ten, not only the Big Ten freshman of the year, but the Big Ten pitcher of the year last year. Got a lot of All America honors. He comes in this year and just it seemed like early in the season didn't have that same stuff and gets moved to the bullpen, and then, you know, it comes out that he'd been dealing with an injury. So you said you think he's going to be back into the starting rotation at some point, but take me kind of through his season. What did, what did it look like was happening early, and then now where is he now? I know he's been good out of the pen. And when do you think Minnesota could kind of put him back into the weekend? Right, yeah, so – Patrick, he went 9-0 last year, and, you know, I talked to head coach John Anderson about that, and he said, you know, Pat knows, or at the beginning of the season, he said Patrick knows that he's, he's probably going to get a loss this year, but, you know, I think he started off the season, he had, you know, three losses, like, right in a row in the first couple of weekends, and I think that might have done something to his, you know, confidence or something, and, you know, it, it just kind of wore on him that, you know, he had such a great, you know, he had the, the All-American or preseason All-American, and I think maybe some of that got to him. And, uh, yeah, so and then eventually, he, you know, his arm kind of gave out on him, too. He got a little injury, and he was out for three or four weeks, you know, in the middle of the season. And now he just started coming back. I think he pitched one out a couple weeks ago. It was bizarre. He got in and pitched one out against, uh, like, South Dakota State or North Dakota State. And uh, then he just got pulled right away because Anderson saw something you know, that his arm didn't look good or something. But then he got in last weekend and in that eighth inning game and in the, in, uh, yesterday's game, the, the first game, and it seems like he got some of his stuff back and he's pitching with confidence. So, uh, yeah, it's looking like he's probably going to make it back into the, the you know, starting, starting uh, you know, maybe this weekend or maybe in, in a couple weeks here. And obviously that'll be huge if Minnesota can get him back. And, and you talked about the bullpen as well as Brett Scholes is kind of, filled in to not completely that Max Meyer role, but he's done a great job. And then something's been a little interesting. You know, it's almost like Max Meyer and Nick Lackney have done a little bit of a switch. Lackney was the Friday night guy for the first couple of weeks, and now it looks like he's been very, very good out of the bullpen. And there's some really good relievers even before Schultz in that Gophers bullpen this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Nick Lackney's been been great. He's getting a second 
uh, second highest or lowest ERA on the team out of you know those those kind of guys that always make it into the you know rotation and um, yeah another guy is Jeff Foshing he's got a one three eight ERA which is you know pretty crazy too and he's a senior there he's got you know twenty six innings pitched and you know, a lot of strikeouts too so yeah those two guys are pretty great out of the out of the bullpen and you know. Um, yeah, Schultz is that you know closer role has been you know kind of a you know killer punch on Friday, but you know they they really try to you know the Saturday and Sunday games, those second and third games of the weekend are you know something that they kind of struggle with finding those guys that can pitch consistent and bring good stuff every every Saturday and Sunday. And and taking it over to the hitting side for this Minnesota team, and and we just talked about all the changes kind of from last year to this year in the pitching rotation, but just from guys they've lost, they've lost more on the offensive side. You, you look at this this order for Minnesota, Eli Wilson, the catcher right now, is the only guy hitting over 300 at 305. And so how, how have those infield spots you talked about with all those great players that Minnesota had last year, how have they been filled and, and has this offense been a little bit of a disappointment at some times this year, you know, obviously with the record under 500? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So if you're looking at you know kind of the stats, just you know I guess stats can tell you some things, but looking at those that that batting average, you know, average for the team from last year was 300, and right now it's somewhere, you know, the, the two two sixty, you know. So yeah, they had Taron Barbara, an amazing you know guy that was at 58 starts, at 59 games, and a 386, it's crazy. And something that's been surprising has been Ben Zenga. He's an outfielder who uh, he's a senior outfielder. Ben Mazenga was, I think, the, the second best hitter on the team last year. You know, they kind of ran their offense through Ben and Taron. You know, they were kind of those guys that could lead off and really get on base and, you know, hit, hit guys in, too. So he had how many RBIs? He had, you know, 28 RBIs, good, and, you know, Taron had 59. And uh, now this year he's really dropped off and, you know, hitting. I don't know what it's been, but he has like a 281 right now and just eight RBIs through, you know, a lot of the season here. So that's been something that's been different too. And Jordan Kazaki is another one of those guys that kind of dropped off from last year. Um, you know, he was an outfielder. I think it kind of mixed him up a little bit, having to switch to that shortstop role when Taron left. So he's had to kind of had that role change. And Anderson said that you can't, or head coach John Anderson said that, you know, you have to account for that is he's going to adjust to, moving into that new position and that kind of mess with him a little bit. He has the most errors on the team, too, with 14. So that shortstop role that he's moved into has kind of messed with him, I think, a little bit. But you know, other than that, yeah, Eli Wilson's really stepped up. He's been one of those guys that, you know, have been you know helping out and really can get on base in clutch situations. And, you know, Kazuki, he has the most RBIs on the team. He hit guys home, but he just, you know, his batting average really slumped, too, and, um, another guy that's, you know, kind of come up and filled one of those roles in the offense is Easton Bertrand. He's, you know, really, you know, he's a power hitter, kind of, he's got 22 RBIs. To, he didn't play last year, but um, I think he had three at-bats, didn't want a red shirt, and he's come into this year starting in outfield, has no errors, and he's been kind of really producing there in the offense and filling some of those gaps that, you know, Pedersen, which is a senior last year, and Toffee, and Toby Hanson, the designated hitter from last year, and couple other guys that were in the infield, you know, they kind of, they, they left some holes in, in that offense. And I talked to John Anderson a couple of days ago and the head coach, and he said that they really haven't had anybody to, to run their offense through that's been consistent and they can get on base and hit guys in. And 
you know, really just run that offense through. And, you know, they've been trying to find that and you find it in Wilson or Mazenga or Kazuki, but none of them have really been, you know, consistent this year. And that's kind of been the problem for this team. And now, obviously, they've had the offensive struggles, and you, you talked about those those series losses going into last weekend. But they came back home. They got a big sweep over Ohio State, somehow toughing it out in that 18-inning game. And now they get another big home series against Maryland. And and to be honest, it, it kind of looks out a little bit for Minnesota because their, their final three weeks of the season after that Indiana series, not really playing three of the top teams, Ohio State, Maryland, and Northwestern. So, so this weekend with the team coming off a sweep and seeing what they were able to do to get those three wins. What do you think is the one thing that the Gophers have to do against Maryland this weekend to come out with another series win and one that would pretty much lock in a spot for them in the Big Ten tournament? Yeah, I think that it's really important to see what they do on Tuesday and Wednesday and to see if they can bring this you know, home streak. I think it's really helpful that they've been home and having this good weather after having to practice inside and, you know, deal with all the nasty weather that they've been having here. Um, that's kind of affected them, I think. But, yeah, if they win these next two and they'll have some confidence going in and don't waste their, you know, pitching staff going into Maryland, I think that if they come out today and have Meyer pitch lights out, you know, he had kind of a rough start to Friday. He didn't – I think it was one of his worst um, outings of the year. Let up a, I think he let up all the runs in that – that uh, first game, so I think he let up four runs, and then um, but if he can have a great outing and kind of bring his team into the seven innings or eight innings, and then have kind of Schultz come in there, and, you know they can run their offense through Kazuki. They can have him, you know, kind of start out well. I think that they can ride that this Saturday and Sunday, sort of like they did, you know, this weekend with that first win. That was you know pretty huge in eight innings. Well, Jack, thank you so much for joining us this week on the podcast to come on and break down some gopher baseball for us. Yeah, no problem. Happy to help anytime. So thanks again to Jack Warwick of the Minnesota Daily for talking some gopher baseball. And we, we got to it before, Zach, but just so many different interesting storylines with this Minnesota team. And I think the most interesting thing about this Minnesota team is, yes, they might be under 500 at the moment, although they have an 11-7 Big Ten record. You put them in the Big Ten tournament right now. If Patrick Fredrickson is healthy, he's been dealing with some injuries, with the way Max Meyer is pitching and the couple other arms they have out there and the offense that they have shown the ability to put together and the offense that you know has struggled this year but is coming together a little bit. But really, if you focus on the arms, this team's getting hot at the right time. I wouldn't be surprised if they make a run and are the back-to-back Big Ten tournament champions. I just feel like they have the arms to do so this year. And I think if they put it together, they can be an NCAA tournament team. I agree with you, Connor. And this is, I think, going to be the biggest road challenge that the Terps have faced in the Big Ten this season. Uh, Minnesota is just such an interesting team. Like you and I were, were saying, they have just so many things about them that, that make them so compelling. And the Terps are going to face a big challenge this weekend. And it's, it's going to be up to them, like we said in the standings. If they want to you know, get their spot in the tournament, they're going to have to earn it against teams like Minnesota. So three games this weekend in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'll be there for the call alongside Taylor Smythe on the Maryland Baseball Network for all three games. The Friday night game is at 7.30 Eastern time, 6.30 Central time, but 7.30 Eastern time. And first pitch will be at, or excuse me, first pitch at 7.30 Eastern time. Maryland Baseball Network pregame show starts at 7 o'clock. 
Saturday's game, another night game. It's actually televised on the Big Ten Network at 8 o'clock Eastern time, 7.30 for the pregame show. Obviously, it's cool that it's on BTN, but we hope you still join us here <laughs> on the Maryland Baseball Network. And then the finale on Sunday, 2 o'clock Eastern time, 1.30 for the pregame show. Now, I would usually give you the starters and can most likely tell you that it's going to be Hunter Parsons versus Max Meyer on Friday. But after that, these teams are potentially brewing something that could be a little different. Minnesota has gone with a couple of guys the last few weeks without Patrick Fredrickson. But as Jack talked about, Fredrickson could potentially be back in there this weekend. And a similar thing for Maryland with a guy who struggled with injury. Tyler Blome could also be back in there for Maryland after obviously Trevor Labonte continued to struggle over the weekend. So we'll see who those starters are. But we have a pretty good feeling Parsons versus Meyer, at least we know, will be on Friday night. And we hope you join us for all three games of that series. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast as well. Our thanks to Terps freshman second baseman Ben Cowles for joining us this week on the pod and to Jack Warwick of the Minnesota Daily for coming on to talk some gopher baseball. So for my partner Zach Solon and our entire Maryland Baseball Network crew, I'm Connor Newcomb saying thanks for listening to episode number 68 of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Remember, if you're looking for more Maryland baseball content, follow us on Twitter at MDBaseballNet. And you can check out the website, MarylandBaseballNetwork.com. And download the Mixler app if you want to listen to all three games this weekend. And we hope you do as the Terps take on the Golden Gophers of Minnesota in Minneapolis for a pivotal Big Ten series. We hope you join us for that one. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening.